Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Startup Diary podcast. We tackle do your employees feel trapped, how to avoid it, and what Mazzy's Triangle is all about. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 295 of the Startup Diary. I am Harrison Mudge, and I'm with my co-host, Adam Callow. Hey guys, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Startup Diary podcast. If you are new here, this is where me and Harry jump on the mics three times a week to share what it's really like to build a startup. We're six years in the making. We've gone from bootstrapped, bit of seed funding, and then raised some venture capital. And being really honest, guys, it's not all pretty, but we're going to share the highs and lows with you. Harry, what's today's show? Today's show, Adam, is a question from the Startup Diary Club over on Facebook. If you're not in the group, you can just search for Startup Diary Club. Yep. Uh, But today was another one from David Wu. David slinging in the questions over on Facebook. Guy's a uh, top contributor into that. busy in there though. The group is awesome. Like so much uh, back and forth. Every thread's got a minimum of what looks like a thousand posts, which is, (laughs) and everyone's like, and it's not like, yeah, me too, or just like real short sentences. Everyone's literally taking the time to give their two cents. 100% agree with that. Uh, So today, David asks, giving back to employees. A lot of previous comments and answers to questions on here make it clear that you want to or have started your own business to give you the freedom to do things you, to do the things your way and reap the rewards of your hard work. Fair enough, can't argue with that. My question is, What have you put in place or will you put in place to ensure your employees don't feel trapped working for you and that you give them the flexibility to feel trapped working for you and that you give them the flexibility you desire slash desired so much? What will make you as an employer seem less like businesses you once resented? As always, group or show question, Harry and Adam. There's a lot to unpack there. I think one thing I've just learned, Harry, because we read this from a Google Doc, is I need to increase the font size yeah. and put some spacing in because your eyes went like <laughs> buzz eyes. It's, it's black text on a white background, but really far away. Yeah, I'll increase the font size in the future. Um, so the, the key takeaways from me is, as one, I saw the post in the Facebook group and then sort of added it to sort of our show notes, is David's asking how like how do you make your employees feel valued within the company and Mm. so it doesn't just feel like a job to which they're trapped within Uh, and then off the back of that there were some amazing comments uh, from members in the community so a quick shout out to like Stuart Andy and Jeremy getting involved uh, and like you say not just putting one or two words but really Mm. giving the feedback (laughs) okay on this I wanted to go a little bit a little bit back to business school because when I when I heard this, I was like, ah, this sort of sounds like something called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. When I remember seeing that in like my textbooks, I was like, huh, pretty interesting. Do you know what it is? Out of curiosity. Have you, have you heard about it before? Vaguely. And interestingly enough, I actually heard it on a podcast not too long ago. I can't remember which podcast it was, but it ca- that's what it was. It was an episode of Upgrade. And okay. they were... They were talking about Macs, and so I don't really know how it came up, but it was it was I think it was discussing features on the Macs and 
keyboard issues and things like that. Hold on, they got onto Maslow's hierarchy. And it it of came needs. up and it was like what the essentials were. Yeah, it was a whole thing. Okay. So, so, so I've heard of it. Yes, no, of it. Something about what you need and what you don't need, or what you would like. And obviously, food and water and shelter is primary. The primary need. So. What I wanted to do on this show is sort of like walk people through and not as just like tell you what it is, but how it sort of relates to one, how I think about it. And then secondly, how it relates to a startup business like ours. Mm-hmm. Um, so what it all sort of starts off with, like I said, is like people have like basic needs. And in Maslow's hierarchy, uh, we'll just call it Maslow's triangle because I prefer saying the word triangle. <laughs> it's easier than hierarchy. Uh, in Maslow's triangle, uh, they're classed as psychological needs and they're the basics. So there we're looking at like the food, water, and like warmth. Physiological needs. Physiological needs. Thank you, Harry. <laughs> I need that. I need that coffee. So they're like the absolute basics that someone needs just to feel like they are alive and to, to be alive. To be alive. So the way that sort of looks at from us as a business is that's the sort of thing that we we don't really get involved with uh, because if if someone's applying for a job, in theory, they've sort of got that thing in place. So I'm just going to skip on to the next level of Mazzy's triangle. So (laughs) it's getting sure and sure. Uh, So then we go on to something that I think is important and it kind of gets onto a couple of the comments that were in the thread, uh, which is all around sort of safety. Mm. So from a non-work perspective, that's when you're thinking about where do you live, security, roof over your head. And I think from a business owner's perspective is that more refers to, uh, do you feel safe and secure in your job? Okay. And to be honest, I think that's one thing that young businesses will always struggle with because we're a startup. And especially in the early days, is regardless of how much you sell people on the vision, mm. they're all very aware because they see the nuts and bolts. And when we were early, we didn't really have more than a couple of months worth of runway in the bank. So it's actually really hard to make someone feel like they've got job security in a young business. And I think that's one of the challenges that a lot of listeners are going to face. And I think one of the biggest mistakes is not having transparency in the org. So I think one of the ways that I made people feel safe within the company is regardless of how many clients we had and what the revenues were, I explained to them that my strength as a as sort of the founder CEO is I can, you know me, mm. I can go and hunt. Like if I need to get some revenue in the door, I'll go and do it. And a number of times in the past, <laughs> yeah. I've had to go and do it. But I think anyone listening in terms of from a from a basic level of how do you make your employees feel like they have a place within the company is they need to feel like they've got job security. I mean, when you started, like, how did you think about that? It was a bit different because when we've got uh, friendship mm. uh, and you came in as technically you were meant to be just here for four weeks. Like, what was your... And now you can't get rid of me. Um, your, and even from an inside perspective is while I was out of the office, did you ever feel like there was... Uh, worries or concerns around sort of like is this fucking thing going to work i think you've always excelled at um at promising or selling on the dream yep um and the mission and when you've got a leader that's so passionate and driven towards something it's like well if as long as we stick behind you and contribute then hopefully we're going in the right direction (laughs) i think i think you've been able to like the passion you give reassures people enough to not think, does he even know what he's doing here? Okay. Like, like you say, well, you, you've always you've always said, 
I'll sell. If I need to sell and make another deal, I'll make another deal. And yep. everyone that knows you knows that that's true. So, so I think that's like a, yeah, I mean, if we do struggle, you probably will be able to pull something out of the bag sort of situation. Yep. So I think, I think probably just to pull it back into David's question then, because his question was, how do you make them feel valued instead of trapped? That might, I'm trying to work this out in my head as I talk it through, as in that might come into the next level. But the way that I was just explained in terms of, that can be perceived as a negative in terms of like, we don't know, but we're just going to get on with the mission. As in, do you think there was any... I think, no, I think you've, you've had the company mission at the front of everything that you've done. Yeah. So it's like, and it's, I think if you were to be like, we're doing this today and then tomorrow, it's like, actually guys, the mission is changing and things like that, then there'd be no trust and faith in where you're driving the company towards. But I think that because you've always, it's always been the same mission, the same goal, how we've done it has changed on sometimes a daily basis, (laughs) sometimes an hourly basis. Well, welcome to Expert Trades. But that's just the work environment and, and we're, we're young, flexible, and having to just adapt to and try new things. But like I say, you, it, you've been steering the ship in the same direction, yep. <laughs> using the same wheel, more or less. No, fair enough. Um, first, uh, that's good to hear, because I think one of the things that I, and maybe it was more on my side of the table then, because I'm looking at the numbers on a day-to-day mm. level, and I know like revenue, if a client hasn't paid, like, I don't come into the office and be like, oh, oh, that client hasn't paid, it's looking tight at the end of the month. Mm. like. I was never that guy, but I guess because I saw it, I didn't feel secure sometimes. So I guess my, my job has always been making the team feel safe and secure in the business. And I was probably feeling the least secure for the first three years, just on a, I mean, on a daily, nightly basis. Maybe, maybe it was a case of ignorance is bliss in the sense that you would, as as expected, you were dealing with all the stress of having to make sure the deals were coming through and making sure the money was coming in from a staff point of view that's not our responsibility so we probably shouldn't know all those details anyway yep. I think the only time you'd know it and we'll, we'll take it away <laughs> from me P45 and- lands on the table <laughs> I think we'll uh, we'll take it away from me and try and keep it back on track for the question for David uh, is the only time I think it's important for you guys to know is if there's a definitive end mm. as in like if I get guys we're going to be out of business in three months time I'm going to help you look for something else that's something that I think is just from a yeah, because I, th- I think m- I would imagine most oh. companies have rough patches. Yep. Like some companies that go out of business don't even tell the staff until they let them go. Exactly. Yeah. But like, we'll never be that company. So with with a with the right amount of respect, you're still not gonna you're not gonna tell someone like, oh, it's been a bit rough, and we're not sure. Like you wouldn't want to put fear in the team's sort of back of their mind because otherwise they're gonna be like, and then you might have a situation where people are jumping ship because they'd rather just get out now. Yeah. When in actual fact, if we all just carried on as normal and mucked in a bit more like we do, then but on, there wouldn't have been an issue. But on that, I think that sort of plays back to the fact that I've always been mission focused. I think for anyone listening is even when you do have a t- tough time, you need to be able to communicate to your team to say, guys, and it might not be about a revenue thing. It might be about a like a KPI for a client or an mm. objective for us. But it's like, guys, like we need to dig in now. And people will only dig in and give the extra work if they believe in the mission mm. from the day one. And you've always been clear on that as well, though. Like there's been many a time where it's like, right, guys, we really need to we need to excel on this partnership because it's coming up for renewal, for example. Yep. We need to make sure we smash it out of the park so they renew because otherwise there's gonna be a big chunk of revenue missing next year. Like yep. but you've always been open about that. And I think maybe subconsciously 
when you say that to the team, we're all thinking, okay, he's very open about a situation. So if something was going south, we'd know about it with plenty of notice and we, we'd all, we're all willing to help out anyway. So Completely agree. So <clears throat> to pull it back into what David was asking in terms of how do you make people feel less trapped, I think when you move up Mazzy's triangle a little bit higher, I really like calling it <laughs> Mazzy's triangle by the way, can you tell? There's, so we started off with physiological needs, which I think is just basics that people need before they even apply for a job, they should have that in place. Then you've got safety needs, which is about making feel people secure in the business. Uh, then we go into belongingness and love needs. So we're going to take the this word, is the psychological needs you were talking 100%. about. Hundred percent. We're going to take the word love off the table in case I get any HR issues in the future. Uh, but this is all about building intimate relationships within the team. And oddly, I think this is probably something that we do best. And mm. this is where I think we can really zoom in to speaking to David's question. Is I feel like there's potentially a risk in the business if we don't do the previous steps correctly. Um, that and the above steps uh, which we'll get on to mm-hmm. is that people can build really strong relationships within the team and off the back of that is even if they don't feel completely content within their role is they decide to stay because of the team and I personally feel like that is a disaster waiting to happen because you're going to have someone that's not content within their role and they're basically being trapped, to use David's word, because they've built up such a great mm. dynamic with the family that is the expert trades team. And you know, yeah, I think um, that's not necessarily something you can control, though, as an employer. I think like, it is. But I think the as an employee, the relationships you build with other members is just something that you do anyway. Like if you work in a place where you don't have a relationship with other people, yep. then you're going to hate it full stop. Like the hardest thing for anyone to leave any job usually is leaving the people that you work with because you've built the friendships. Because yep. it is like leaving a friend behind. But that's not, I don't think that's anything really that anyone can control. I don't think it's something that you control from a relationship perspective. But one thing I think, and it, this sort of comes back to culture, is... When someone comes to work for expert trades, we just need to make sure that it is a work hard, play hard space and it's not too sat back. Because I think one thing that people do, probably we're all aware of it, is when people join, they go, this is a really cool place to work. And I think from day one, what we need to do is set the tone that relationships and work are both extremely important. And we tend to go through this cycle of let's bring you into the team, make you feel happy, warm and fuzzy Mm -hmm. and build the relationships and then gradually will increase the demands on your role and i personally and i when this question came up that's what i was thinking about i was thinking and we look at someone like cat who's just joined the team and cat is experiencing a very different week four five six (laughs) compared to anyone else that has joined expert trades and that's purely designed by me because i want her to feel like she's building relationships up and she is she's doing fantastic but most importantly i want her to understand the the role and responsibilities and i guess I guess what I'm trying to say, and I don't know I'm trying to avoid saying it out loud, but I'll, I'll go with it, and I'm not sure how it's going to be received, is if someone from day one is held accountable for their role, they'll naturally, in the early days, in the first three, six months, be more focused on delivering on the KPIs compared to spending their time worrying about building the relationships. Because in their head, they're thinking, there's no point in getting really good pally-pally friends and going out with everyone here for the next mm. three, six months if I can't deliver on my job. So that's a really small detail. That's what I want to shift in the company is making sure that people understand they have to deliver on their role first when they get into the company. And all the benefits, we have a fantastic team, but you'll really start to enjoy that once you feel 
safe and secure in the company. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is like we tend to kind of make people feel like they've got a blanket so, around them for three months. I'm confused. We, is the is the issue that you which one do you want to happen? Do you want them to feel like they're amongst a bunch of friends first and then? No. Okay. Yeah, that's, and that's, that's what I was just getting clear on. That's the mistake that we used that I think we used to make is be good at your job first and then make friends. No, we'd make friends first. I think we've always. I spent, thought that's what you were just saying. No, <laughs> that, that, this is this is where I'm getting confused. Now. Okay, so let you, me take a step back. You want people to be good at their role first and know that we need to work hard and deliver on what we're asked, and then once yes. you're smashing it out of the park, then you can choose to make friends correct rightly or wrongly in terms of how this is being received by the audience the way that I see it is you should come into the job and look around and go wow there's some amazing people that have real deep friendships in this company mm -hmm. I want some of that but you should I want them but to I think, need to excel at my job in order to earn that in, in order to stay here mm -hmm. and if I stay here I know I get that with you does that make sense now with you now yeah apologies if I confuse yeah, I, I just wasn't sure which one you were saying both but I wasn't sure which one you wanted to do <laughs> I kind of want them sweating their KPIs yeah. harder because what they want is this amazing family feel yeah and, and I think we said I think we actually spoke of it um, a, a few episodes ago company culture office culture um, where people come in and the first impression they get is everyone's pally pally joke around we're having banter and all things like that but if you've been here two weeks and all you see it's like with my phone if I'm on my phone you don't know if I'm playing yeah. Candy Crush or whether 100%. I'm actually working when I'm joking with Edie or with 40 you don't know if we're just killing time chewing the fat or whether we've actually was we're working hard on a project and just trying to make light of what is a very serious situation because we've got deadlines 100% so so that I think is a really interesting when I when I read that question I thought that was actually there's some stuff at play within expert trades that I just want to get on the mics because I think that's one thing that, that we need to correct as a business. Mm. So moving up Mazzy's triangle, we go into something called steam needs. More on that straight after this break. So we're onto a steam and I think there's, so there's two more layers to Mazzy's triangle. We've got a steam and then we've got this holy grail, which is called self-actualization. And I'm physically in my hands now doing a triangle, by the way, I can feel myself doing it. <laughs> so, being really honest, I think from the esteem needs perspective, this is where we fall short as a company. This is where myself, I'm an extremely poor manager slash CEO. And that's me being very honest. And I think that's the part of the business. And whether you came to our startup meetup, whether you came to the, like speaking to Stephen May about this, that's the one part of uh, my role that I need to get better at this year. Because when it comes to when it comes to esteem, what this is relating to is, do I actually understand what I'm doing? And moving forward, do I feel like there's a sense of accomplishment in my role? And the interesting thing is, is people can only feel a self of accomplishment in what they do if they understand what they're being asked to do. As in, if you can't win or fail, you can just do. You never mm. feel happy about the work that you achieve. And to relate this back to David, David's question originally is, I think people feel trapped within a business when one, they're getting a pay pack, and some of the answers were, if people are getting paid well, they, they'll feel, they won't feel trapped. I, I do disagree with that. I actually, Me too. I actually think getting paid well ticks that lower level, that security level, uh, in terms of like, actually, yeah, I've, I'm in a well-paid job, I can pay my bills, like the company's doing well, I'm secure, and I think 
if you just wanted a bunch of employees that sit on level two of Mazzy's Triangle, fine, just pay them a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But I think you'll still get a degree of churn in the business uh, as in people leaving because pay, once people understand how much they earn and what they need, they kind of tick that box and then they move on. Well, that, that, that's why I left a well-paid factory job because really it, good point. Didn't because even think about that. I was getting, I was, I had looking back, I had more money than I had sense because I, I, <laughs> I never had any money at the end of the month. But I was out all the time and I was spending like it was going out of fashion. But it got to a point where I was like, I just don't want to be, yeah. I don't want to be wearing the boots. I don't want to be coming in doing the same thing for the next forty years because it was just a manual job rinse repeat like it i was doing a job that a machine couldn't do yeah and with no real um opportunities for genuine progression you can move up and i did move around the company and got into better positions that again paid more but it didn't really all it meant was i was doing a different repetitive process there was, no, there was no like stimulation of like I had to think outside the box and problem solve it was just like when you have a job where you repeat the same process over and over you get so much time to think yeah. <laughs> and obviously when you've got a lot of time to think that's when it's like I don't think I want to be doing this no fair enough and then it it became a point where because I left and joined expert trades and obviously took a pay cut yep. but it was like the opportunity to get out of that groove that I'd put my career into was far more valuable than any wage that my old job could pay me. So. Firstly, I love the fact you sort of relate that back because I didn't think about that. Mm. But that's a great a great point that anyone listening needs to hear is just because you pay your employees, uh, and you might pay them market rate or a little bit higher, that isn't gonna that isn't gonna keep them from feeling trapped within the orb. Like you need to move them up this this triangle, Mazzy's triangle. You need to keep moving them up. And, and I think we're at the point. Sorry, carry on. I was just going to say, and the, and the problem with that is that people that are in jobs where they don't feel like they're getting esteem, their esteem needs met, or whatever it is. Yep. Um, is they'll always complain about the pay. Yes. Because what else? If there's nothing else, because they're not going to. They've potentially got no option to progress within the company. So what do they want to progress? They want their pay packet to just keep going up and up. So like every time there was a, a quarterly or whether it was six months or a yearly pay review and things like that to, to feel the vibe of the staff, morale was like 90 plus percent. So everyone was happy yep. because it was, a good, it was a good company that looked after the staff and paid well. But everyone, internally, everyone says to each other, never say you're happy with the pay though because otherwise they'll just leave you pay where it is. Yeah. And like, that's all people can focus on because there's nothing else to, to think about. There's no like, oh, if I if I do this, then I, I could be spearheading this team. There's none of that opportunity, so. But I think that's where it comes into where we're at as a company is one, being a young company, we always want to better compensate our employees, mm. in fact. But the way that we, we sort of operate now and the thing that I need to get better at is this tapping into this esteem part of the triangle, which is I actually need to outline a career path for mm-hmm. the employees um, to just, for them to deeply understand where they're going in the company. Because then all of a sudden they understand that if they achieve A, B and C, they are going to progress in their career, which will then in turn increase their compensation. And I think the two play hand in hand. And right now we're sort of hitting that ceiling as people, they feel secure in the job, They've built some great relationships, but the esteem part of this is where I'm feeling short. And I think that will either result in churn in the business because they don't know where they're going uh, or them feeling trapped 
because mm. I don't want to leave because I've got some great friendships, but I kind of want more out of the role. And that's where as an employer, you don't want to be because you get resentment within the mm. team. So that's something that I'm definitely working on. That's why I love this question from David. And again, just to move up to the top in terms of uh, Mazzy's triangle, comes on to this self-actualization. And for me, that's something that a boss can't get involved in from an employee's perspective, because I think that's more of an internal than an external thing. I think it comes from you, Harry Mudge, the employee, being completely self-aware of what makes you happy. And then that's something that you're more in control of. I can get you to the top and outline a career and give you the accomplishments that you need, but I can't make you feel personally successful. Mm. Um, yeah, you, yeah. there's an element of self-awareness to understand what you actually want. Yep. You, Adam Keller, or me, Harry Mudge, what, what, do I, what is going to ultimately make me happy? Exactly. Yeah. I, I think what, some of the things how we, how we help people not feel trapped within the org is creating this completely transparent workplace. I, f I personally feel that if I step out of the office, the team can speak with each other fairly openly, or if there's an actual problem with, even down to someone's personal life is what I'm dealing with and have been dealing with occasionally in the last sort of couple of years, is the way that, the way that people don't feel trapped is by talking about the problem. Because if someone know, if as a boss, I know what you're dealing with, whether it's a personal circumstance and shit. Oh shit, Harry's got a kid. He needs to earn mm. more money. Cool. I need to know about that sort of I thing. I mean, I do. It's got four <laughs> legs, but. <laughs> I will send you some dog. I should not even agree to that because you were like, deal, take it. Yeah, I'm filming and recording this. <laughs> I think we've created a, a place where people can speak openly. Mm. I think top advice for anyone building a, a company and a culture is if you don't create that um, safety for the employees to speak to you about what's really going on is that's when the entrapment feel that's when you feel really siloed off in the org and i think that's something that we've avoided really well but just as a top tip and i think one thing that we've started to do uh, and in our all hands meeting every monday it is in that deck that everyone works through and they put their kpis and their goals and stuff in uh, is we start that off with our core values so uh, and if, if you're new to the podcast, I'll quickly read them out because I think this comes back to what you were saying about we sort of, we make sure that people align with the vision. Um, so our core values sort of sit like we do what's right always, be a firefighter, not everything goes to plan, embrace conflict and communicate with candor, take responsibility, own your shit. This is a team sport, we win together, do what you'll say you'll do, we rely on each other and love what you do, you only live once. I think the key thing for me on this is the embrace conflict and communicate with candor. That's the transparent, open culture mm. that we've built. And we're telling people that you need to love what you do. As in, if you, because we're showing this to people every week. As in, we're basically saying, do you love working here? And if you don't, then you need to come and speak to me. And that's what we're, we're trying to build. And because I know we're kind of going on a bit on this, this podcast, but I think it's super important and interesting yeah, for me. One thing I do highly recommend people go and check out. I just listened to a podcast where there's a, it's a podcast called called without fail and it's by gimlet media so big podcast in org uh, and the guy that sort of started gimlet he sort of just interviews people and there's a lady on there called patty mccord and she went and worked at netflix and netflix has always been a really interesting company i've sort of followed it along but one thing they released a while back uh, and i i knew about this and i've read it and that sort of spurred me on to build the company values that i just spoke through is mm -hmm. netflix culture it is something that I think every startup will sort of aspire to. And the way that Patty related to it is we want people when they apply for a job elsewhere for them to go, oh, you're at Netflix and it means something positive in terms of like when someone applies for a job and they're, they're from Apple or from Google, you go, oh, you've worked for a really great company. So they built and they continue to iterate their culture deck 
So it originally was a presentation, but now it's on their website. So if anyone wants to check this out. Yeah, I'm just having a quick look at it now. It's it's long. It's, it's quite ex- quite extensive, but at the, at the beginning, they've got some, uh, they've got five points. Uh, what's special about Netflix is how much we want, encourage independent decision-making by employees. Two, share information openly, broadly, and deliberately. Three, are extraordinarily candid with each other. Four, keep only our highly effective people. And five, avoid rules. So, <laughs> so as I worked as I worked through this, I was looking at the core values, and the reason I want to mention the show people over process is by outlining what you stand for as a business. Is people in the company can can feel safe, can feel secure, but can also self-identify to whether this is a place they want to stay or want to continue working. What I think is interesting is when you've got something like this or those sort of rules is you go to a company and. When, when they don't have anything, when they don't have uh, written words that explain how everyone operates, mm-hmm. everyone just assumes you need to work hard, do all the hours, get paid. It's like very like black and white, just based off an assumption because yep. it's, it's just how it's you- work. Ass- It's work, yep. exactly. But I think when you've got a document that set, like just looking at this, for example, you get the vibe or you just completely understand that it's like, okay, I, I, so long as I bust my balls, I can be straight with people. They're going to be straight with me. Everyone's going to be fairly laid back, but you have got to work hard. Like it's it's really interesting that just seeing the words on on a page yep. can actually give so much more indication as to what's expected. Yeah, yeah. I think, and probably just to wrap up from from me on this is the one thing that really hit home with me when I learned about the Netflix culture is as as a small team. Sorry, as a small company that I run, we've considered ourselves like a family Mm. uh, because one, how we look after each other uh, and how we operate. And Patty in this culture deck outlined that we're not a family, we're a team. We're building a highly effective team. Dream team. And there's a small difference there. and, And it comes down to how you hire and how you fire compassionately in the business is it's really hard to fire a family member. In a family, outside a business, mm. no one gets fired. So her, her perspective is that's the wrong analogy. What we're building is a highly effective team, which means right now we need certain players on the team. We might need, uh, if we're building a football team, we might need a fantastic defender. Mm. And that's the person we're recruiting for. Great. And then all of a sudden we level up the whole team. But if that defender doesn't level up at the same rate as the rest of the team, then they're no longer effective. And it's not a personal dig at that person. Whereas if you say it's a family culture, it can feel very emotional. It's my job as a CEO is to build a highly effective team of top performers. Right now, you're a great fit for the team, Harry. In two years time, the company direction, focus or level we're at might Mm -hmm. change. And it might be, Harry, if I had the choice today to hire you for the role that you do, I don't think I would. So rather than us playing this game for the next three to six months to try and work out if you're good enough, how about you move on to something else and I'll help you with it? And that's how she mm. tackles building the culture and the team at Netflix. She's no longer there. Um, it was interesting because they had to have the same conversation <laughs> with her. The same playbook that she yeah. built, uh, Reed Hastings, the founder, had to basically say, we're no longer in the DVD delivery market. We're, we're going into uh, sort of creating our own content. And if I had to hire you to build our dream team now, I wouldn't. So I no longer need you. Mm. Uh, and obviously that's hard, but I think it the, the key thing I want to focus on is 
if you position yourself as a family, it, it can get very emotional and then it can make people feel trapped. If you position yourself as a highly well-oiled, organized A-player team, people know I need to be an A-player, otherwise there's no space for me mm. and I'll get benched. I, I really like that analogy. I also think, again, having that hard conversation, like the, the culture that has been built is not just a, you're no longer needed, so go find something else. It will click clearly still be kind of like a collaborative effort to say look we don't we don't need you in your role anymore but we're going to help you find something and i think that for anyone that wants to try and find another job yep for most people it's like i'm i'm gonna have to cut this family off and just find something new and start afresh whereas really what should be happening is everyone should be happy for anyone and everyone that wants to move on 100%. In, in their working career because 100%. ideally everyone should be leveling up or moving up to a better role yeah Harry you've so. become an amazing videographer mm. but we no longer do any video for clients mm. but there's thousands of companies out there that would love to have you as part of their team I'm going to help you find mm. one of those companies so it's a perfect fit and it's about so you either as a family member you're too soft or if you go too corporate you're too hard mm. and what Patty's saying is no no there is there is the place in between uh, that that is compassionate regardless of whether you're keeping people hiring people or letting people go and I think that whole culture deck should, should help David if he goes through it answer the question about how you, you stop people feeling trapped within your org and, and ultimately if someone's in a role that's no longer useful or needed then it's wasting everyone's time it's like a bad relationship yep you're with someone that you don't want to be with anymore but the that's the best thing to do is for you both to separate because no one's winning in that situation it might be hard to to break up but ultimately it's going to be better for both of you because you can both move on and find new people 100% so. but it's it's like the core fundamental is creating the culture mm. that that feels acceptable so people don't feel trapped yeah. as in I've got to stay here because I'm part of the family Harry I think we're done I think we are, guys. If you have any follow-ups, you can email your questions to questions at startupdiary.club or you can jump into the thread over on Facebook in the Startup Diary Club Facebook group. And if you're wondering why Harry sounds like he's laughing a little bit, is he just said that final thing like three, he just yeah. cracked himself up. Guys, thanks very much for listening. Again, we'd love you to chime in into the Facebook group. So go over to Facebook, search for Startup Diary Club and join the conversation. We look forward to seeing you in there. And don't forget to tune in to the next episode of the Startup Diary podcast. Thank you.